This is the Wild Crime Report for Monday, the 22nd of January, 2024. I'm wildlife investigator Matt Durrant, and I hope you're returning again after our first report last week. Or welcome if you're joining me for the first time. This is your rapid Monday coffee shot of what's happening around the world in the realm of environmental crime. So let's get into some information. In South Africa last week, a major story has broken after a police action last Thursday in KwaZulu-Natal province. Following intelligence, police identified and pursued a white sedan near the town of Vrahid, stopping the fleeing vehicle and apprehending the two occupants. The two South African men, reportedly aged 64 and 51, have grabbed the attention of many in the wildlife enforcement and conservation field in South Africa when their names were released. The oldest suspect is none other than Elvis Molongo, more commonly known by his street name, Two Bob. Two Bob and his accomplice Bogankosi Mavubu were apprehended after their vehicle was found to contain two rhino horns, two hunting rifles, and ammunition. Their offences will be expected to relate to illegal weapon possession, possession of wildlife trophies without a permit, and presumably further charges, possibly related to suspected poaching offences as the case progresses. Now, Two Bob is described as, quote, notorious, unquote with respect to the illegal rhino horn trade in Southern Africa. He is no stranger to police, having been on parole during this last arrest for attempted murder and robbery. Just an all-round nice guy, right? For sure, this will be an evolving story, as South Africa and its rhino horn prosecutions are also notorious for either taking forever in the courts or sometimes just frittering away. The arrest of Two Bob will continue to put the spotlight on the region where the southern white rhino is the last species of white rhino in Africa that has a chance of prospering. It's efforts like this from the South African police, known as SAPs, that are critical in preventing criminal gangs from decimating already fragile populations of rhino. And speaking of fragile, further north in Kenya, the Kenyan Wildlife Service, or KWS, announced that they will be attempting to translocate 21 black rhinos between conservation parks in the country. Some of you may remember the unfortunate incident six years ago in which all 11 black rhinos died after a similar conservation operation. Here's wishing all those involved the very best to hope that this mission is smooth and successful. Staying in Kenya, two weekends ago, 64.5 kilograms of ivory was seized in the capital of Nairobi. Now, I should mention that this bust was initially reported this last week in the Kenyan press as being 645 kilograms of ivory, which is understandably grabbing people's attention and would be a fairly big deal. However, the charge sheet was made publicly available by an NGO that monitors court cases and confirmed the amount has just been 64.5 kilograms. Some editor somewhere probably needs to remind their team of journalists about the importance of putting a decimal point in the right spot. The important aspect of this story is that two suspects were arrested, one of whom was named as a police officer. He and his civilian accomplice were brought undone when they attempted to sell the 64.5 kilograms of ivory to undercover officers from the KWS. This operation comes off the back of another seizure earlier this month in which two Kenyan women were arrested with a similar small portion of ivory at a village just in the coastal province of Kale County. Now whether these small-scale seizures of ivory are an indication of the ivory trade picking up again remains to be seen. They could be small groups of low-level collectors operating to create stockpiles to be sold in bulk to foreign buyers. Historically, 
Kenya has played a role as both source country and major transit hub for Central and Eastern Africa through its thriving seaport of Mombasa. So it's a dynamic to keep a close eye on. Now from the terrestrial world to the aquatic one. And in Sri Lanka last Tuesday, the Navy intercepted two fishing trawlers off the coast of Manor and arrested 18 crew who were all Indian nationals. This just comes after the Navy had already apprehended four vessels and 22 Indian crew the previous week. While these arrests all appear to be based on illegal fishing offences, it's very possible that some of these vessels will be involved in the smuggling of marine products, especially something like shark fin, which is banned from export in India, but allowable for export in Sri Lanka under a regulated permit system. Sri Lanka and India are very close neighbours. A fast boat could get you from one country to another in less than an hour, so it's very important that the Navy and Coast Guards of these respective countries clamp down on illegal fishing. But it's equally important that investigative teams are probing these seizures to pin down any organised networks operating between the two coasts. And lastly, over in the United Kingdom, Christopher Wielden, a 34-year-old tree surgeon, was sentenced to eight weeks imprisonment for stealing peregrine eggs from a cliff-faced nest. Wielden also got 10 weeks imprisonment for shop thefts he committed after taking the eggs. Understandably, many people are miffed that he received a heavier sentence for the theft at the shops rather than the theft of the eggs of the protected peregrine falcon, a CITES Appendix 1 listed species. Derbyshire police not only ensured his conviction last week, but were also successful in prosecuting a father and son team, Timothy and Lewis Hall, who in a separate case were trafficking peregrine chicks. Their sentencing has been put over till next month, the halls were repeatedly selling the baby birds for over 20,000 British pounds, which is a glimpse of the considerable profits that wildlife traffickers can make. In the case of falcons and other birds, the Middle East and parts of Asia remain lucrative markets for these species. Now, the cases highlight the importance of how the application of modern policing methods should be used in wildlife cases. Wielden was captured stealing the eggs by CCTV footage, which was fortunately installed by the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. But this is no slam dunk. Ensuring that material is admissible in court is never guaranteed. And in the matter of the Hall father and son, their claims that the falcon chicks were captive bred was refuted by DNA evidence that proved the birds had been snatched from the wild. In addition, an examination of their mobile phones and a drone had also presented evidence that the drone had been deployed on 20 separate occasions to fly over known nesting sites. Again, simple but effective police work that unfortunately isn't always the norm in wildlife cases. A tidy case for the men and women of Derbyshire Constabulary, which appears to have been supported in part by volunteers from various animal protection groups. I hope they've had a chance to enjoy a pint and a laugh at their local before cracking on and getting ready for the next opportunist to rear their bird-thieving head. And that is the Wild Crime Report for this week. Please subscribe if you haven't already, and by all means, share this channel through your various networks to anyone who wants to keep their finger on the pulse of events and trends in the world of environmental crime. I'm Matt Durrant. Until next time, stay wild, keep the animals there too.